Chapter 18 When I opened my eyes, I was on a red-flowered couch and three faces looking down at me. One of the faces belonged to Brooke Allen. She ain't no bigger than a minute, said a man with very short gray hair. Her name is Luziella Elefante, said Brooke. And her mama and daddy were trapeze artists. I thought she was kind of some kind of wounded animal, said the third person. He looked just like Burke, except older. His hair was blonde, too, and cut just the same as Burke's, and the old man's. I thought maybe she was a bobcat, said the blonde man, who was surely Burke's father. She was wailing like a bobcat. There ain't no more bobcats in them woods, said the gray-haired man. I know that, Daddy, said Burke's father. I'm saying that that's what she sounded like. Well, she ain't no bigger than a minute. You already said that, Grandpa, said Burke. I'm saying it again, ain't I? You're all Burke Allens. I said it because I was just never making sense to me. One Burke Allen was the father, and the other Burke Allen was the grandfather. The final Burke Allen was my Burke Allen. Burke looked down at me and smiled. Hey, Louisiana, he said. I stuck my hand up and waved at him. Hey, said Burke. How do you feel? It feels strange, I said. Maybe that old curse, said Burke. What curse, said the grandfather. There's a curse upon her head, said Burke. Now, son, said Burke's father. Don't go making things up. I ain't making it up, said Burke. She told it all to me. Where's Clarence? I said. No one answered me. The cake smell was very strong. The couch was flowered. Did I say that already? My ankle was hurt. My ankle hurt, but not much. I felt like I was floating on a flowered cake scented cloud. Maybe I was in heaven. Granny didn't believe in heaven. What didn't mean I had to believe in it, did I? Maybe I came from a long line of believers. Who could say? In any case, the cake smelled very, very good. What kind of cake is that I smell? I said to Burke. Then there was a woman coming toward us. She had big blonde hair. She was smiling at me. She didn't look a thing like the blue fairy. But she smiled the same way the blue fairy smiled. She was wiping her hands on a striped dish towel. She said, Honey, that's my famous chocolate chocolate cake. Burke says, Mama's making 17 cakes. 17? I said. 17, she said. 17 cakes. The room spun around. Burke? I said. I don't know who I am. You're Louisiana, he said. Did she say hit her head? said his mother. There's a letter, I said. I tried to sit up, but I felt dizzy, and I immediately laid back down. The letter explains everything, actually. It doesn't explain anything at all. And besides, the letter is gone, blown in the web into the lands of no return. How was that? said Grandfather. The lands of what? We'll find it, said Burke. I don't want to see the letter ever again, I said. I started to cry. 
She's crying, said Burke. I see that, son, said Burke's father. Hey, now, said the grandfather. He took hold of my hand, and his hand was rough and calloused and open, oversized. It was that it was like holding onto a horse hoof. I cried harder. I'd never felt hands with a horse before. Thought she was a bobcat, said Burke's father. No, look at that a minute, said Burke's father, grandfather. He squeezed my hand with his horse hoof. It hurt, but it was comforting, too. Burke, I said. Granny's gone. Gone, said Burke. Gone, I said. The world smelled so sweet. I thought I would just close my eyes. Chapter 19. When I woke up, it was morning, and the sun was shining, and I was in bed, covered by a big, fluffy quilt. There was a nightstand next to the bed. On top of the nightstand, there was a lamp with flowers painted all over the shade. And beside the lamp, there was a red plate with a biscuit on. And the biscuit had some ham in the middle of it. It was exciting because I was very hungry. I sat up. There was a glass of orange juice on the nightstand, too. And there was a note. The note said... Honey, here's some breakfast. I thought you should go on sleeping. Burke's at school, and Burke's daddy and granddaddy are at Burke Allen Machinery. I am Mary Bell's salon. I will, I will call and check on you at lunchtime. Don't worry about a thing. From your friend, Betty Allen. It was the nicest letter I'd ever received. It was certainly nicer than what Granny had written to me in her letter. Granny, that person I did not know at all. That person I was not even related to. I heard tapping against the window. I looked up, and guess who it was? Clarence the Crow. He was sitting on Burke's shoulder and leaning toward and tapping on the window with his beak. Oh, I wish that I could, the crow would sit on my shoulder and tap on windows. I just knew it would change my whole life for the better. Burke was smiling, waving at me. I went back at him, but my heart was heavy. What was I going to do? I couldn't imagine. I truly couldn't. Brigham Clarence disappeared, and there was nothing outside the window except trees and woods and a cloudy sky. Granny's letter was blowing around out there somewhere in the world. Well, I hope that those pages blew as far away from me as possible. I hope those words of hers were blown off the winds of fate, all the way to China. That's what I hoped. And speaking of being blown by the winds of fate, where was I going to go? What would become of me? I could not seem to escape the curse of sundering. Burke walked into my room, still smiling. And I looked to his blue eyes. And that is when I recalled his words from the day before about finding a magician who could undo the curse. And then I remembered the sign of Riverend Albertas' door. Minister's office. Riverend Frank Albertask. Assistant's advice, healing words. Wasn't a minister like a magician? Word healing words like a spell? Maybe Riverend Albertask knew some healing words that could undo the curse. I didn't need granny per- knew that granny person to undo the curse. And besides, I was finished entirely with counting on her. I would just go get it done myself. I would get everything done by myself. Do you know where the Happy Shepherd Church is? I said to Burke. Oh. Do you know where the Happy Shepherd Church is? I said to Burke. The Good Shepherd? Yes, that one. Sure, I know where it is. Why? We need to go there. What for? said Burke. 
Look, I'm going to take action, I said. Don't you want me to find that letter you was talking about last night? Said Burke. I do not, I said. I don't care if I ever see that letter again. Also, last night you said your granny was gone. That doesn't matter either, I said. Because I have a plan. All righty, said Burke. I picked up the ham biscuit and took a bite. And my goodness, it was delicious. Hi everyone, just, this is Milwaukee Times. Just wanted to stop in and tell you about our new sponsorship. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make in one podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. One more time, go da- download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I hope you like um, Anchor, Anchor, and please check out my podcast called Milwaukee Times. You can find it on Spotify or the Anchor app. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Aren't you supposed to be in school? I said to Burke. Burke shrugged. I skipped. I skipped all the time. It don't matter. What do I need school for? You don't need school to join the circus. I saw the window. I could see Clarence. He was looking at us, cocking his head first one way and then the other. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to have a bird and have feathers and not have to care in the world? But Clarence probably had cares. Because that is what it means to be alive on this infinitely spinning planet. It means you have cares, doesn't it? Why are you living like that? said Burke. We were walking into town. Because in a tragic moment of darkness and despair, I fell into a hole, I said. Oh, said Burke. We walked over train tracks. Clarence got flying ahead of us and then flying back, looking down and laughing. This is where I seen the circus said Burke. He stopped walking. Right here. I was sitting on my grandpa's shoulders. I was, I don't know, maybe six years old. We watched this whole circus go by on the train. The giraffes had their heads sticking out of the boxcar. The lions too. Two of them. You could smell them. They were pacing back and forth in a cage. Then there was this clown. His face was all painted up and he waved at me. And that's when I said I was going up to the circus. If you join the circus, you'll have to travel all of the time, I said. You have to leave everyone behind. The circus is just one long goodbye. How do you know? said Burke. And besides, I want to go out there and travel all over and see everything there is to see. I can always come back home if I want to. If I had a mother who's always baking 17 cakes, I wouldn't stay right where I was, I said. Yeah, well, some cakes ain't for me. They're for the carnival for the world famous Betty Ellen cake raffle. I'd never heard of the world famous Betty Ellen, Betty Allen cake raffle. Shoot, you haven't? I'll tell you what. People come for all little children just to try and win one of Mama's cakes. For the rest of the way into town, Brick Allen told me about the world famous Betty Allen cake raffle and how Miss Lulu played piano music each raffle number. 
was called, and how one year a woman was so excited about winning that she fainted dead away when Betty Allen called her number. It sounded fascinating, except for the part where Miss Lulu played piano. That was not fascinating at all. Is there a limit on how many cakes you can win? I asked. It's a game of chance, said Work. There don't got to be a limit, because it ain't nothing but chance. I thought that I would have to tell Granny about the world famous Betty Ann and Betty Allen cake raffle, because it was exactly the kind of activity she would be interested in. Imagine winning a whole cake. Then I remembered that Granny was gone, and that she had left me, and that she was not my Granny at all. Was I ever going to get used to the fact that I'd been lied to and abandoned? Well, I just could not say. All I knew is that my heart was broken into several hundred pieces, and I was walking along beside the Burke Allen and dreaming of cakes as if the world were in our place. Clarence was flying ahead of us, his wings shining in the light. The world spins on, just as Miss McGregor said it does. It spins infinitesimally, and it never, ever stops. Somewhere up above us, Clarence laughed. I couldn't see him, but I could hear him laughing. We walked past Bill's taxidermy, and we walked past Octopox's office. I thought about Miss Ivy sitting at her desk, typing out a bill, and sending it to a person in a dress that did not exist. And that made me happy. Down that road was Burkell Machinery, said Burke. That's where Grandpop and Daddy are right now. Burkell Machinery. That's what they do all ding-dang, ding-ling-ling-long. They're like working on machinery. And, and right there is the church, he said, pointing. You see it? Yes, I said. I see it. Me and Clarence will wait for you in the woods. I got to keep a low profile. I can't let nobody see me skipping school. And so I walked into the happy shepherd by myself. I walked up the stairs, and there was Reverend Albert's office. Just where I remembered it. Just where I'd left it. I knocked on the door. No one answered. I turned the knob and opened the door, and my goodness, there was Reverend Obertask. He was asleep. His suit was on his desk, and he was tipped back in the chair, and his big arms hanging down on either side of him. His glasses were crooked on his face, and his mouth was open, and his face was covered in whiskers. Reverend Obertask looked very much like a walrus, and not one bit like a magician. The Georgia sun was shining into the, on the office. It was lighting up all of Reverend Obertask his nose, sideburns, and his mustache. I stared at him, and then I stared directly into the light. It occurred to me that the Georgia sun was different from the Florida sun. I knew that it was the same sun. Of course it did. There's only one sun, no matter where you go on this infinitely spinning earth. That is a fact. But there are facts, and there are facts. And one fact is that the same sun. And another fact is that... If you are far from away from home, you don't know who you are. It's very different sun. I was standing there thinking about all of it when I noticed Reverend Abertas cut a pipe in his right hand, and the pipe was dangling so low that it was almost touching the carpet. Reverend Abertas, the walrus magician, was going inadvertently set fire to the sweet shepherd church. Chapter 20. I went very quickly and very stealthily into the office. Reverend Abertas, I said, he made a little snorting noise. Then he dropped his pipe. Dropped it! I immediately bent down and picked up the pipe, thereby adverting a gigantic and tragic church fire. In the meantime, Reverend Arbutask slept blissfully on.
I was standing there, holding the pipe and staring at Riverend Opertask, when a who to my wondering, wondering eyes should appear. Miss Lulu. Of course. She was standing right at the entrance to the office. She had her hands on her hips. What in the world's going on? She said in a very loud voice. Well, that's never been an easy question for me to answer in any situation because so much goes on in this world. I stared at Miss Lulu and her curls. I smelled caramel. Did she have an unlimited supply of caramel candies? I'm unsure exactly what you were referring to, I said. And I do not care for your implications. I just bet you don't, said Miss Lulu. And then Reverend Obertest woke up. He said, must have drifted off. Well, said Miss Lulu, explain yourself. It was the mid-morning nap, Miss Lulu, said Reverend Obertask. He took his feet off the desk and put them on the floor. I don't know if we really expand beyond that. The middle-aged man trying to make his best with the way of the veil of tears. I was talking to the child, said Miss Lulu. The one who's holding your pipe. My pipe? Sort of an task. He blinked. I stood up straighter. I said, Hello, over an task. Here's your pipe. I held up the pipe. I came in here to ask you for assistance and advice, and also to make some inquiries about your healing and magic words. But you dropped your pipe, and I picked it up so that there not be a huge tragic fire. And not with a tiny trip of church to go up in flames. My healing and magic words, said over an task. What kind of shepherd? He blinked again. He was a man with a very round and very surprised face. Also, he had a great deal of facial hair. I hate to say this, said Miss Lulu. I would advise against it then, said Reverend Obertask. There was no stopping Miss Lulu. I think she was intending to steal your pipe, she said. I was not intending to steal your pipe, I said. I stamped my foot. I do not need a pipe, Miss Lulu said. Be that as I may. The, ch- the child and her grandmother are staying at the good night's sleep tight. They're just passing through, if you understand any meaning. The child sings, and she's engaged to sing at the Elkhorn funeral tomorrow. But I am worried that something untoward um, is occurring, or will occur. Untoward? It's a river and task. Exactly, said Miss Lulu. Thank you very much, Miss Lulu, said Reverend Obertask. He sat up straighter. His chair creaked. You may leave us. But Reverend, said Miss Lulu, the child has your pipe. Yes, she does, said Reverend Obertask. Miss Lulu sighed a very large sigh. The smell of caramel drifted across the room. I will take it for pee, Miss Lulu, said Reverend Obertask. Thank you for your generous insights and kind intervention. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Lulu, I said. It was a sentence I liked saying very much, so I said it again. Goodbye, Miss Lulu. Yes, goodbye, said Reverend Obertask. And please close the door behind you. Miss Lulu stood there with her mouth hanging open, and her curls holding himself very still. Then she pulled the door closed in a huffy and important way. And I was alone with Reverend Obertask, the wildest who could be who could perform magic. I was certainly in need of magic.